arrive there sometime. I'm going to start at 1 Corinthians 6. It's really easy for us to spend a lot of time in abstraction and in passivity in a place where, um, yeah, John's going to talk for the next hour or two and, and then we'll go home. And um, I was asking, I was expecting to talk about something else because I'm going through Luke and, and on Monday as I was sort of reflecting on it, this whole question of you're the temple of the Holy Spirit really sort of came quite strongly into my spirit and with that God wanting us to know that his, his deepest desire is that we would know him inside us um, in a way that uh, is profound changes our lives and he's easy to know and um, I got you to stand because I'm just going to say to you you know what do you want what would you like from God this morning because if you don't get specific with him he's He'll struggle to get specific with you. It's not, that's not a threat. That's just normal. It's like what you want. Um, and he's not asking for a right answer. He's just asking for a truthful one. And so tell him. What do you want him to speak to? What do you want to hear? I'm not talking about manipulating. I'm just saying genuinely. What do you want to hear? What do you want to know this morning from God? And Father, I just pray that your spirit will release that answer in the next 30 minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's sit down. I am at a point in my life where I am absolutely done with theory. If it doesn't work, I'm not interested. So I'm very, very committed to asking God to make his word real, both in my life and in whatever we do as a church. Um, I'm overwhelmed by the response to that. Um, I guess we... Uh, there's a... Um, there's a Paul was writing, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote this, um, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He's, he's getting at, he's living in a culture that is just as corrupt or, not, or more so than ours. The Roman culture where, and the Greek culture in which Paul lived, in which Jesus walked, was far more, far more, far more uh, promiscuous and, and wild than ours. And ours is pretty wild. So these guys weren't actually naive. They weren't going, oh, I don't really know what the real world is, which a lot of people keep telling us, you don't understand the real world. Um, I do understand the real world. And there are kind of two ways to live. Um, one of the ways to live is my real world is located in my body that senses things and wants things. And my real world is, is, is occupied with meeting and gratifying the desires of this body because this body is my truth. And so 
I feed this body and I look after the desires of this body because that is my truth. That is the world in which we live. I spend a lot of time and a lot of money trying to look after how I clothe the body, how I eat, feed the body, how I satisfy the desires of the body. And my truth is about this body needs rest, it needs leisure, it needs lots of pampering, it's often tired, it's, it's, it's got a lot of stuff it wants. And the real world is totally fixated upon meeting the needs of this body that eventually ends up in a box. And Jesus came into the world to say there is more to life than a body. And that's what we mean about living, learning to live from the inside out or from the outside in. When you live from the outside in, your, your agenda for happiness and fulfillment is about your circumstances and the gratifications of your desires. That is the normal way to live. And so our lives are prefaced with I need, I want, I think, I am, I could be. It's all about I. And Paul is drawing that distinction by talking about how do, you, how do you live to gratify the desires of the body. And then he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? In other words, your bodies are located somewhere else. And maybe when Jesus becomes part of your life, your body takes on a different role. So Jesus' body was a container in which God's spirit spoke to the world. And he revealed humanity in a very different way. Because God is located in places while at the same time being everywhere. It's a mystery. And so Christianity is about how do we live in this world, in this body that has all these desires, in a way that is creative and good. Because we all live on scales of gratification and there's a point where we all, you, we all know that if you go too far with gratification, it becomes addiction, becomes death. Whatever it is. So if, if you gratify by sport, anything that gets over-focused becomes destructive. It just seems to do that. possesses us. And then identity becomes involved with that. Who are you? I mean, the, the, the classic is, is talking to men and women. And the women, who is, when you ask women, who are you? You know, who are you? Well, I'm a mother. I have three children. Who, with men, this is what I do. And that's why I said to Diana, I said, what did you come back with? I am beautiful. There is a, a tendency in us to always push it away. What you're pushing away is the embrace of the Father, actually. And Paul had lived a long life at the state, well, certainly longer than 20, 30 years as a Christian when he was writing. And he was used to the violence and the corruption and the uh, lusts around Rome and the, and the people from Rome and so he wasn't speaking with naivety but he says flee from sexual immorality all other sins a man commits are outside his body what he's trying to say he's not being prudish he's just saying what your body does impacts your spirit whether you know it or not what, what your body connects to impacts your spirit you are not just separate body, mind, spirit. You can say it. I mean, you can say it as much as you like. 
but you will find that it wounds you. And you shut down. And you get harder and harder to reach. And then you get depressed. And then you get isolated. Or otherwise you go wild. Or otherwise you work hard. Or otherwise you become introverted. Or, and you fill in the blanks. We are very, very fragile as human beings. Extremely fragile, extremely precious, extremely sensitive. Every single person here. So how do you say to somebody who's become in, who's gone into survival mode and, and if I know human beings enough I would say we're all on grades of survival mode. How do you come out of that? How do you not just satisfy the desires of the body? And by the way the desires of the body are not just sexual immorality. They might be I feel insecure and this body feels insecure unless it has lots of money in the bank. So I'm going to spend all my life working hard so I have money so that I can be sure of my, my income and I'm going to be safe. I do believe in God and He is provider, but this is my plan B and C and D. So I'm very busy keeping my plan B in place, which means that when God tries to engage plan A, I don't have time. And what I'm speaking about today, something rose up uh, as I was in uh, soaking prayer on, on, on Thursday. And um, it's just a backdrop. And it's just God said, you know, my people are so tired all the time. Everyone's tired. Remember that. Do you not know that the, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And Christianity is about a God who so loved the world that he came into this world in the person of Jesus in a body and he demonstrated what it was like to live as a human being connected with God with the limitations of a human body. And his mission was, um, I want you to reconcile the world to me through you and you've got three years. That was Jesus' mission. And the one thing about Jesus, when you read about him, all the Gospels, he's infuriatingly calm. He doesn't seem to be rushed. He doesn't seem to be stressed. He doesn't seem to go, oh my word, Dad, how am I going to do this? I, I, I was up all night worrying. He doesn't seem to manifest like that. And he didn't seem madly impressed when people said that to him. 
like how worried and busy they were. He didn't seem to go, oh my word, that is it's good. He rather seemed to say, um, I think you're missing something. So let's go and see what he says. This is actually leading to incredibly good news, by the way. We're, we're leading to a very, very good place. So there are two ways of living from Paul's writing. Give me a smile, Ted. There we go. Thank you. Woke you up, didn't I? It was a grimace. Ah! Um, There are two ways of living. Gratifying your body or being a temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple is a container. The gratification model is a, what's the word? A, what's the word? Consumer. Consumer. Everything's for me. Two ways to live. Christians, the culture we live is consumer, right? What I wear, what I eat, what I look like, where I go, what's my holidays, what I, 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 I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. You must understand I need. When I've got this, I'll be happy. It's a joke, but it's amazing how we believe it. How many of us are happy? How many of us have got what we said we needed 20 years ago or lost what we thought we had? I mean, we're all screwed somehow. But there's an element of this consumer. If I have, if I have, if I have, if I have, and you can pull it in. Whatever you want. That's consumer. That's chasing the lust of the flesh. Could be real respectable. You would never call it lust. I don't lust. It's for young people. I lust after peace. I lust after this. I lust after that. It's whatever draws you. Lusting after is whatever actually gives you give your time and money to. And the frustrating thing about Jesus is he's so specific. He's not religious and vague. So, let's join him. So God so loved the world that he sent Jesus specifically into space and time to meet with us and become tangible. And when Jesus lived among us, he spoke in John 14, and he said this, and I'll just read some paragraphs. Very well known to, to many of us. I love these paragraphs. If you love me, said Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. So already Jesus is beginning to say there are two ways of knowing things. And if you're just limited to the body, you're not going to know me. So it's quite possible for people to sit around saying, I can't see or feel anything, and God's right there saying, I am here, but you can't see me. Because Jesus is the way to see. So he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. It's all hinged around the reality of Jesus and the connection with Jesus in our lives. Then he says, Because I live, you also will live. 
On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he says this quite a few times, which probably means that there's some reason for saying it. He says, I don't want obedience because of duty. He says, obedience in my lifestyle comes out of love. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I who will love him and show myself to him. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And that's where we want to land. We will come to him and make our home with him. So, think of a person who you most admire. Think of a person who uh, is, is, is a hero of yours. Could be anybody in time or history. And you've just been texted. Right now it's buzzing in your pocket. And you look at the text and it says, that person is coming to your house in 15 minutes. How many of you would sit here and listen to me? Or would you scurry out? And when you scurry out, what would be going on in your head? How many of you would be going... I wish I had more warning. I'm not prepared. I know how I left my house. How many of you have had guests over the summer? Put your hands up. Quite a few of you. How many of you like having guests? How many of you like being guests in other people's homes? You can tell who the leeches are. Eh? <laughs> How many of you are living in somebody else's home? <laughs> How many of you want to? <laughs> and when you're a guest or when you have guests, what are the things that you pay attention to? What are the things that you enjoy when you're a guest at somebody's house? What are the things that uh, you find easy? I hate going to be a guest at somebody's house where they're always on edge um, trying to impress. I stayed with people in Africa and all over the place and there's some people, they have special rooms for guests. You know, the, this is the sitting room for the guests. They used to. I don't think they, we do it, this, thank goodness, anymore. This is the room. We, we have it, they had plastic covers on and when the guests come, they take the covers off. And these are the special, you know, this is the special stuff we use when they're guests. Now, please sit down. Please sit down over here. Uh, no, I'm happy to sit in the kitchen. No, 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 over here. And you have all this fuss. And you know it's not like that, really. And there's a sigh of relief when you've gone, oh my word, now we can relax. You enjoy being a, in a, a guest in a house like that? I don't think I do. And if somebody comes to my house... It's pretty simple. This is it. If you don't like it, go live somewhere else. 
I am not going to spend five hours preparing my house for you. I promise you. Cheryl might, but I'm not. Um, it is, this is it, and you're very welcome. You're very welcome indeed, but this is it. If you got a message that God was coming, what would you want to do? See, the relationship that God reveals in Jesus and Jesus reveals to his disciples, he says, you know the way that I live on earth in this human body? I live in this human body um, with my Father and with the person of the Spirit in me all the time. So I only do what my dad tells me to do. And it's not like he tells me in an order way. It's like out of our relationship comes a purpose and I just follow that purpose. So he says to me, uh, let's go here today. Let's go there tomorrow. Let's not do this today. And so I do what he tells me to do. And because I do what he tells me to do, I don't spend my time on stuff that doesn't matter. So in saving the world, I'm located in a very small region and I'm just working one-on-one -on -one with people and I'm also healing a lot of people but I'm also spending time away from people and it all flows. And I have time for what he wants me to have time with and I know what he wants me to have time for because he lives in me and we are connected. And Jesus' promise was that every single person who's been, who invites him in may have that same relationship. You see, knowing God is not difficult. And the metaphor that Jesus gave us and what I'm trying to spend a bit of time reflecting on is on one hand a beautiful metaphor that is very cool. On the other hand, it's a really, really inconvenient one, possibly. So let's land it and see what happens. What would it be like? You see, everyone, this now applies to everyone who said, Jesus, I want to, I want to follow you. You're welcome in my heart. Okay? Maybe I'll preface it with a story. When about eight years ago or seven years ago, eight years ago, I was living in a little apartment in Parksville. Um, it was awful. There was nothing to do. The walls were thin. You could hear what the neighbors upstairs were doing. It was just disgusting, actually. Um, and eventually I had to make a choice because out of my divorce I, I shared a property on Salt Spring. It was a beautiful property. It's probably the most painful thing that I have left over from that divorce is losing that property in the sense of for me. Um, it was a five-acre property that Juliet and the kids still have. Um, I haven't been there for probably 12, 15, 12 years now. Um, and I'm, I, I'm saying that for a reason. I'm saying that sometimes there are costs to things. You can't hold on to everything. And I had to say, I have to let go of that if I'm going to get out of this apartment and do something else. 
And so that's what happened. And I got this, just before the market went up, I got this property on Little Mountain, which was a little cabin on three acres. And I desperately needed to get my hands onto something because I was going crazy. I needed to do something. And I'm not going to go into the whole detail. Other than that, there was this cabin. It had moss on the roof outside. And it was quite cool, potentially. It had some nice spots. But I was really saying, I want to build something. And so I went into this place. And I lived there. And some of you came kindly to visit me. You know, this wayward guy. Some of you kind of came and gave me a housewarming. um, Or cabin warming. And uh, have seen the before and after. And I I began to look at it, and I had had a building inspection done, and I knew uh, the washroom area was totally rotted out. So I had to start ripping that out and then build something new. And and I began to build like an art project. And most people who come into my house or Cheryl, my house now, just go, this is wonderful. But the house that is there now, that took me five years to build. And God, I told you this before, God said, "You, uh, you know, you work on your house and I'll work on you. It's very, very profoundly true. And I didn't see what developed when I went in. I didn't see the picture of what it would become. I just saw it needed some work in some areas. And I share that with you because it's a metaphor for our lives. And there are many of us, I believe, who are really stuck with God because we will not let go. We want salt spring and we want this one. We want everything. And one of the reasons we're tired is because we're holding on to everything. And when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, it's like He and the Father and the Spirit turn up on your doorstep. with big smiles. We love to come in. And they do. What would God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit tell us this morning about what it's like to live in you? The answer to that question will determine wherever God wants to take you today. There's no accusation, there's no blame, it's just real pragmatic. What's it like to live in you? Because he said, my promise is that everyone who asks me, I come to live with them. His experience is very different. For some of us, he might say, I got in the front door. I'm sort of, we, we crowded up with the umbrellas and walking sticks and they take us out every now and again. Um, have you ever gone into the, li- no, they don't introduce me to their friends. Have you gone into any other area of the house? Not really. Um, quite honestly, some of us are kept uh, in in the garage and they pick us up for a ride to church and drop us off 
some of us get into the living room, but we don't get into the rest of the house. Um, they're kind of private. They, they won't let me get too far. So Jesus and the Spirit and I, we sort of keep each other company in this place and go, well, it'd be nice to break loose. See, the thing we understand and the thing that will set us free is when we welcome God the Father, Son, and Spirit into our hearts and lives and say, you're so welcome. I am so embarrassed about this place. Let me segue off somewhere. Think of somebody who is your best friend somebody can go back from childhood somebody who you've just had the most delightful time with I mean if you could just spirit them right in here now and, and spend a day with them you go I know exactly who it would be I've got about three people that I might go I, I'd love to spend a day with them I'd love them to hang around for a while from my childhood or from my early years now, now hold that feeling hold that thought hold that emotion And connect it with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit and, and, and hear them say, I want you to know me like that. With that degree of joy, anticipation, relaxation. Because we don't actually like living in places where there's not a lot of fun. You remember the father who ran out to the prodigal son and there was a banquet and there was a roast and there was music and there was, he said, this is me, this is my place. It's alive. And I suspect, rather like my house and little mountain road, when God the Father and the Son and the Spirit turn up, like I did, we go, I'm really glad to be here, but there's some work to do. What we get in trouble with is that we think God the Father and the Son and the Spirit might come into our hearts and they, they just sit down and they watch us and they go, hmm, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like this, this is, oh, this is disgusting. And we just live under condemnation. But what happens if God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have come to make their home with you? And what do you do when you go and make your home somewhere? You make changes, you paint things, you renovate things, you pull down some things, you take other things. What happens if God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are in your life and said, we've come to help. We've come to help. We actually are very good building inspectors and we've actually know this place inside out. And if you actually are friends with us and we're friends with you, let's have a ball renovating this place, which is you, over the next five years. And it would be really cool if we, when we came into the washroom or we came into your thought life or we came into your work life or we came into your issues of an addictions or we came into your workaholism or we came into the amount of leisure you think you need. When we came into those different rooms, uh, you wouldn't be so defensive. Uh, what do you, what, you don't want to come in here, do you? It would be really cool if you relaxed. Because we're really good at giving priority to the things that will make you more alive if you just trust us. 
And so if you want to have a living relationship with a living God that isn't theoretical and actually sets you free, then consider how you're hosting Him in your life. Consider how much access He has to your life and how much is closed. And the degree to which He has access will be the degree to which you become free. Jesus, filled with the Spirit, listening to his Father, effortlessly saved the world. He says in John 14, and I'm closing with these few verses, he says in John 14, if you love me, you will obey. He says it a number of times. Out of love comes obedience. The place to start is continually practicing being loved by the Father. He is speaking to you. There is no one here that he is not speaking to. What we need to learn is how to hear and how to stop being defensive about what we hear. Because if we understand the depth of love he has, we'll be open to him doing renovations. And Jesus, out of that experience, says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you're not living in rest and peace, it's not him who needs to change. I would imagine there are many, many of us who are persistently doing stuff that causes our own problems. And God the Father just says, when you've got a chance, let me in and I'll help you. And finally, in Revelation 3.20, there's that well-known phrase that uh, is made, made into a very famous picture. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I will come in. And that door is all over the place. There's a door that leads into our hearts. There's a door that leads out of our hearts. There's a door that leads into every facet of our lives. And he's always knocking and saying, open doors, no locks, let's go. So, that's it. My heart, Christ's home. We're so wanting control. God has put people in your lives that will help renovate. If you love me, it's living from the inside out. It's saying, Lord, what are you wanting to do now? And if you have humility and hunger, you can share that conversation with a few people around you and he will show you 
And sometimes we can't see. I had a guy come in who was a squash player and he was good at, pl- he was building. I won't tell you what he said because it's unprintable. But, um, you know, just his, the way he spoke. Um, I spent six months working with him. He's, he's quite a character. But he sat on my little couch and he said, hey, look at that, let's do this. And he had the vision for some big windows and stuff that I didn't see. But when he said it, I saw it. And then I went, no, let's go for it. We need one another to sometimes have the courage to step into the vision and the purpose that God the Father, Son and Spirit have in your life that you don't even believe is true. But there will be moments where he says, I will not be able to do this unless you let go of that. And I know the Lord's saying something to some of us and he's saying you're, you're tired because you're busy holding on to stuff that you have no need to hold on to. You have to risk trusting me and I will set you free so you can live with time. This is another place where God is present. And he's looking for a people who are hungry to come here and they don't turn up here exhausted. They're refreshed saying, Lord, now what? So we don't want this to be theory. To just see your life right now as a house and ask, Lord, I ask your Holy Spirit to just talk to us quickly. You are, I'm sure you're talking already about our house. I command every voice that is accusing or negative to be silent in this place right now in the name of Jesus and I speak to some who use negativity to be an excuse and I command that to break in the name of Jesus I break the power of negativity over your life where it slams the door on everything that Jesus always says to you and you just go I've given up hope oh it won't work that's naive I speak to those lies in the name of Jesus and I declare freedom over this body in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I declare freedom and I declare that doors will be broken open today that will never be shut again because Jesus has opened them and we've said, Lord, please break the lock because I don't know how to do it. God loves you so much. And he looks at you and he says, you have no idea what we can do with this little cabin. And if you think you've done your best work on it, I've got some surprises for you. We could blow this wall out. We could do this. We could do that. We're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to look great. Can I come in? When you're telling me you don't have time and this, this, don't worry. I speak in the name of Jesus to the Martha. Jesus went into the home of Lazarus and he said they were having a dinner party and Martha was saying, don't you care that Mary just doesn't come and help me because I'm so busy? And Jesus said very clearly, Martha, Martha. 
and you're my best friend, Martha. You are distracted by many things. You're worried about so many things. Read it in the Scriptures. You're worried about so many things, but this one thing is important that Mary takes this opportunity and sits at my feet. And in the midst of your busyness and all the priorities of your life, I'm calling you to sit at my feet where I can love you and feed you and give you rest. You are not too busy. You are disobedient. I say that in a loving way to my children. In fact, if you look in Revelation, before he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says, I discipline those whom I love. So there might be a little strong arm from the Lord for some of us that says, I want you to learn now some obedience. Stop doing what you're doing. But if you see it in the context of father-child, you can handle that. He's telling you to go to bed early because he's got some cool things for you and he wants you to be fresh. So I speak peace and hope and joy and life and anticipation over this body. That there'd be a lot of fun in the renovations that are to come. No more avoiding, generalizing, abstracting. God the Father says, I like a nice place. And if I'm sitting around in you, we're going to make some changes. So with a smile on your face and your heart, you tell him how much you're looking forward to what he's doing if you want to see changes from the inside out. Forget about your circumstances. Don't worry about those. Some of us are so stuck on our circumstances that God the Father, Son, and Spirit are trying to do something inside and they don't have get our attention because we're so busy saying, look at the lawn. He says, I'm not worried about the lawn right now. Some of you are wanting me to stop talking right now because you're already saying I've gone on too long. I'm trying to land this in your spirit so that your life is changed forever. So thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in us, you live in me. Thank you that you've come to give us rest and life and hope Help me to know what's important. And thank you that the relationship that you're having as you live in me is one of a a best friend, the dearest family member, the safest person I could ever know. That's who you are in me. And we're going to work from that place. So I pray, Father, for revelation of your goodness as we go from this place and huge excitement in our spirits but what is still to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.